filibuster is supported through patreon by listeners like you check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster we also get support from the ehrlich law office discrimination wage and litigation solutions for the district of columbia and northern virginia they handle workplace discrimination non-competition and non-solicitation litigation civil rights and a whole lot more for a free consultation go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster Jason, I woke up at 4 a.m. today. That's uh, that's early. Yeah. I didn't, Even for fatherhood standards, that's early. Yeah, I didn't really mean to wake up at 4 a.m., but I was having terrifying, uh, terrifying dreams. Okay. Uh, where a I'd like, I forget the first dream I had, but then I I woke up, fell back asleep, had a second dream where the murderer like found me hiding in the tree that I was hiding in, and was about to do the the stabbing, and then I woke up again. So I was like, well, I need to start this pork butt that I'm going to smoke anyways, and so 4 a.m. seems uh, as good a time as any. So I had the pork butt. I had gotten the butcher to cut it in half because it'll it smokes faster that way. And I just put it on uh, at, I think I got it on at by about 5.15 mm-hmm. and smoked it all day on my, on my Weber grill using charcoal, the good old fashioned way. Oh yeah. And smoked I, it with, with some apple wood. Uh, I'm just going yeah. to note that uh, at 5.18 AM, you left a message in the site Slack saying that you're putting the pork butt on at that time. So your, your timeline is accurate. Yeah, yeah, I think I actually I think I noted on my phone or actually I took a picture of the pork butt I had just put on the grill at 5:22 a.m. Okay. So, uh yeah, I smoked it with some apple wood um and the hunk that didn't have the bone in it uh took about 10 hours. We pulled it off right about uh 3:30 and we just shredded it and ate it then. It was great. It was me, my wife and my wife's sisters. And then the part with the bone in it just needed to smoke a little longer, and I shredded that already, and that'll be what we eat on the rest of the week. So it was a good Memorial Day grill time, uh, starting off early, early in the morning. Oh, and if you start grilling something or smoking something early in the morning, I highly recommend having a headlamp. I used my wife's running headlamp, mm-hmm. uh, and it was great. It helped me like have my hands free, set all yeah. the, the the vents and the grates and the water pan and all of that. So highly recommended. I'm just, when you said that it reminded me of a couple of years ago, um, me and some buddies went on a fishing weekend down um, on the uh, Southern part of the Eastern shore. And we Maryland came or back, Virginia, Maryland, we, we are Marylanders. We would not cross into, we would not cross that border. Um, but, uh, after we came back and we, we, you know, everyone, everyone had gotten up very, very early to go fish at the appropriate time. Um, we'd been on the boat all day. No one had had time for a shower. So everyone gets back and everyone's trying to clean themselves up and, and get themselves together. Few, few people took a nap. And so we didn't really get to cooking our catch for the day until like the sun was starting to set. Um, mm. And the house itself uh, didn't have particularly good outside lighting. Um, and so for a while we were just trying to grill without a headlamp, um, at all. And it got to the point where no one could tell what was happening. It was like, okay, 
does anyone have a headlamp? So we went through the whole house and we found, cause everyone's like, I can't hold a flashlight and do this. This is stupid. Right. Um, and it took us like 20 minutes and like the first piece of fish, like the first fillet um, was pretty, pretty overcooked as a result. Because we were just sort of like, how much time has it been? Like, I don't know. Like it long enough. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know how hot it is. I can't read anything. Um, and we've got people like turning the house upside down We're on multiple floors before we found one. Um, so yeah, Ben's advice is, is very solid. If you're going to grill and it's dark, get a headlamp. Don't do a flashlight in one hand and try and use your other hand to do everything else. That's stupid. And I know I always say this, but you should always have a thermometer when you're grilling as well. Either, yeah. either a, a one that has like wires poked into whatever you're grilling or even just a hand thermometer. You got to have a thermometer. I mean, unless you're one of those like um, super expert grill, uh, grill masters who have been doing this for so long that are doing things by like po- poking a finger at it. And like, like muscle yeah, memory. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you're one of those experts, then you don't need to listen to to Ben or to me, especially not to me. Like Ben knows more than I do. Um, but if you're not one of those people, you know that you're not one of those people already. Um, so <laughs> you should probably listen. Yep, exactly. And as you undoubtedly know by now, there is no Adam. There is no hope for this episode. Goat, goat, welcome, goat. This is uh, Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Uh, Adam is off in Kentucky trying to find uh, attacking reinforcements for DC United and or enjoying a weekend with his family. Uh, And or finding bourbon to drink away the fact that we have no attack. Yeah, probably. It's probably a mix of those last two. Uh, I doubt he's going to come back from Kentucky with new signings. And if he does, I don't know how that would work. Um, I'm Jason Anderson. Ben Bromley has told you about grilling. Uh, we're going to talk about DC United They're, They played a game. They have another game. There's always another game. It's always coming very soon uh, because we're in this trap of constantly playing games that are two days away or three days away. There's no time. There's never a break. There's never any rest for the weary. And that is us, especially. Um, but, uh, before we go any further, we have our traditional, a traditional question that I'm not going to forget to ask, uh, Ben, what are you drinking? I'm just having a, uh, bourbon and diet Coke. I had a, uh, hectic two hours before this podcast started. So I just ran in the door and, and grabbed uh bourbon and diet Coke. That's okay. So what kind of bourbon do you got? Uh, we have been enjoying ancient age right now. It's like the step up. Uh, it's the step down from Buffalo trace, uh, by the same brewery, but it's the step up from benchmark, which is their lowest level version. So benchmark and ancient age, it sounds the names kind of Im- Im- imply this like benchmark is like, this is an acceptable standard, right? Uh, ancient age sounds like it though. It could also be a different product altogether. Like it, it could be something that, um, uh, seafarers in the 1700s carried on their ships right and i also have a a soft spot in my heart for ancient age because uh when i was in grad school uh, in north carolina uh ancient age was the rail bourbon at the uh uh the uh music venue we always went to and so i had uh, many an ancient age bourbon and coke there and so i have a fondness for it it's always, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of what my liquor fondness is from that that time period in my life, equivalent time period in my life. Or, and I think it's just Miller High Life. My <laughs> other think, one, 
my other one is also bourbon. Um, yeah. The summer I actually lived in DC, well, not in DC, but in Northern Virginia, I was mm-hmm. doing an internship uh, after my sophomore year of college. Okay. Uh, and I was not quite 21 yet, but a friend of mine from college would buy me um, Jim Beam Black. Okay. And so that was my summer of Jim Beam Black. And I don't, I haven't really had it uh, really anytime since, but w- whenever I very rarely have it, it throws me back to that summer that I commuted the entire yellow line into DC for my internship. Nice. But, but obviously didn't spend too much time commuting in on the yellow line to go to work while drunk on Jim Beam black. No, thankfully not. That was, that was a, that was a weekend indulgence. That's good. I mean, I have been in, uh, been on the subway coming into DC in the morning, feeling feeling the uh, after effects of drinking too much, and right. it's not the best. Nah, it, it's worse than the best. Um, I am drinking the very last of my bottle of Osakalis Alambic Brandy, which is a California brandy. Um, it's pretty great. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, Apple brandy, can, grape brandy. Uh, I don't actually remember. I remember it's in there. It's in my brain. Um, but Probably I can't. Probably grape brandy, but because that's typical brandy. Um, uh, it's, uh, I believe, yeah, it's a grape-based uh, brandy made in a, a specific type of still. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty excellent. I got to say, um, I haven't seen it very many places, but if you can find it, uh, I, I can't say I endorse it because I'm not paid, but, uh, I think it's good. <laughs> uh, also Callis, if you want to pay us filibusterpodcast at gmail.com, I'll talk about your product for 90 minutes, 120. Um, but unfortunately, this is a, my attempt at a segue. Uh, we have 90 minutes of less pleasurable things to talk about, um, over the weekend. <sighs> Uh, DC United went up to New England to play a pretty poor New England Revolution team and finished a 1 1 draw. Uh, pretty uneventful game uh, in the first half, maybe a little more even than I think anyone in, uh, in this part of the world would have liked. Um, the game kind of appeared like it was going to turn uh, when Matt Turner uh, crashed into Wayne Rooney and got a red card for. I have it listed here as a denial of obvious goal scoring opportunity, but I think the official match report listed it as violent conduct because it could be either. Um, you could sure say could. either one. Um, Turner got the red. Um, Rooney looked like, I, I mean, I was surprised when we came away from that, that he didn't have like some sort of broken nose or something from just getting crashed into so hard. Um, but uh, United it was a good, a good moment for them. And yet they managed three minutes later to fall behind to the 10 man New England revolution. Um, Don't have a coach right now. Yeah. The the interim boss, Mike Lapper has basically said, let's play the most safety first version of soccer. We can and stop losing. Um, And they have to their credit, they have, they've got one win and two draws in that period of time. So it's an improvement in form for them. But Jason, um, would you say that their style of soccer is a safety dance? I, I don't think it's a dance. I can't, I can't <laughs> call it a dance, uh, unfortunately. Um, 
But uh, yeah, so the Revs got themselves a goal, uh, some some particularly unpleasant uh, marking at the back post from Marquinhos Pedroso and some yep. particularly stagnant defending from the rest of the team. It's it's now the third goal in a row that I would cl- classify as a bad goal to give up. Um, DC th- kind of threw the kitchen sink uh, at the Revs from there. Uh, we had a stretch of time where the, the back four consisted of um, Hara, Knaus, Birnbaum, and Stieber, um, to give you an idea of, of the kitchen sink throwing that was going on. Uh, finally, uh, I think it was the 87th minute, um, Steve Birnbaum's volley from outside the box uh, struck Brendan By in the hand. It took VAR, uh, and it actually took a stoppage of play, and then VAR um, to give the penalty kick, which Rooney converted in the 90th minute. DC tried to go after the winner. You probably didn't see them go after the winner, uh, but they didn't really come up with anything and had to finish with this one-one draw. That I think uh, the team's perspective on it and our perspective might be a little different from each other, but um, we do kind of need to talk about that—the fact that most fans didn't see what happened um, at the end in stoppage time because Flow Sports uh, conked out somewhere ninety-first, ninety-second minute of. What turned out to be, I think, eight minutes of stoppage time in the end um, with, you know, we're talking about a one one game that was just equalized where D.C. has a full throw everybody forward lineup on the field. The Revs are down a man. They're tired. Um, This felt like a game that D.C. could have stolen a, a late winner in. And fans were looking at a big red error screen that if you were following on Twitter, you probably saw many people tweet the photo of the the big red error screen that they got. Um, The uh, outcome of this, DC United posted an apology today. Flow Sports apologized today. DC also published an apology for CSP Mobile Production, which is the production company. Like if you if you're at Audi field and you look at the giant production TV production truck, that's them. That's CSP. Those are the people in the, um, in the truck with the monitors and the know-how to make, uh, videos go into the world. I don't know what they do, but that's, they also apologized. I don't, I don't know who actually was at fault because the apologies are all just like, yeah, we're sorry. That was bad. And there's not specifics, but, this is what the second or third apology that's had to be issued. I think it's the uh, second, but it could be the third. Yeah, I think I think second is right. Um, and we've had. I, I mean, I think um, Donald Wine are uh, sometimes uh, sometimes Donald's on the show with us, and I think he said that he's had a problem with every single game that's been on flow of so, some sort. So um, have I. Yeah, you you've run into several problems, a variety of problems, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, and. United is on flow for the, each of the next five games. It won't be until the middle of July uh, that United is on ESPN. Um, ben, I, what do we even do about this? Like, I, I mean, there's obviously not much you and I can do, but it's 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 a pretty gigantic problem right now. Yes, and let me run down the various amounts of the various different problems I've had and how I felt about them. Um. Flow Sports officially supports Roku and Apple TV and iOS devices. Those, those are all the only things they officially support as of the last time I checked, which was uh, earlier today. Um, and so 
Android devices are about 70% of the phone market and non-Roku and non-Apple TV set-top boxes are about 50% of the market. So just on that front alone, it baffles my mind what they have, what they support and how they've not figured out how to basically support anything on Android yet because Chromecast is Android, Fire TV is Android. Everything they don't support is Android and they just steadfastly refuse to do it. Um, I've had, my main problem has been my flow sports. When I try to run it through a browser on my TV, it drops out about every seven to eight minutes. And so that's my error. Uh, Donald has different errors than I do. Uh, and he has had uh, errors throughout all the games as well. And all of this is combined is, is before the fact that it is an expensive service that not a lot of people get. You have to, it's a bespoke service that only like the people in the uh, DMV are only going to subscribe to it primarily for DC United. So they're not even getting the benefit of, uh, a a broadcast platform where people might just wander and find a DC United game. So if they're going to be on this bespoke platform, it has to work every single time, and it just doesn't right now. I mean, I'm sure they got a a lot of money from Flow Sports to be on their platform, but right now it's just it's just not working and uh i know they signed a couple of year deal with flow sports i don't know if it's three or four and i don't know what the options or termination rights are but right now it's just not working if it continues like this i don't i don't know if they can continue with this platform yeah i mean we live in an era where you can kind of gauge the happiness of a partnership between two companies by Generally speaking, if things go wrong, people try not to apologize unless things have gone terribly wrong. And the fact that we've had two different apologies come out, the first one included uh, memory serves. uh, uh, Yeah, it was a free month and it was a quote from ownership uh, in there. I thought there was a Levian quote, yeah. Yeah, and it was basically a like, we're severely disappointed with this, uh, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, Flo said, uh, you know, this isn't how we wanted to make our debut uh we're really disappointed with our service blah blah blah. but we're still having people are still running into the exact same problems um you know a game like this the fact that it it happened in stoppage time it feels to me like there was almost a like okay this is the window that the game needs to go on before um we're done here and maybe this is like a timer thing um but I don't know. It, it, for all I know, someone unplugged a cable because uh, I don't know anything about any of this. So I probably shouldn't talk too much about uh, speculation on what went wrong. But yeah, it's it's a pretty dissatisfactory and, and strangely dissatisfactory um, experience so far, because like you said, you've had your set of problems. Donald has had different problems. I know several people who have been able to I'm not going to give away where they are, but they put on ESPN plus and the game just happens to work. Um, and sometimes it does. And sometimes it doesn't. Um, it just, it doesn't feel like this company is up for the job. Um, I think it is actually the third apology because they had to apologize for the first game where they, uh, accidentally geo blocked people who weren't supposed to be geo blocked. Ah, uh, okay. So I think it is the third apology. Right. Um, and I mean, we're we're a soccer podcast. We don't want to be talking about streaming partnership stuff, but 
unfortunately, that is the for as far as this fan base is concerned, that's the story of this game more than I mean, we've got soccer stuff to talk about, but um this kind of blew away anything else. Um, this is what people are focused on right now. So uh, all I can say is that I hope this time uh, that the necessary improvements come into play quickly, because again, we're talking about, we're recording this on Monday. There's a game on Wednesday. Um, there's not a lot of time if they need to retrain some people or, or do something else. It's not a lot of time to make that fix. So I'm not necessarily too optimistic. Um, about when do you not have an Android app yet? Yeah. Uh, like Ben said, you know, 70% of people are using Android phones. It seems like it should be a priority, but, um, in any case, uh, I I don't know. I don't know what, at what point we'd actually, I, I don't think the team is close to wanting to get out of the contract. I think they're probably still in the be mad at your, uh, client or your, your, provider for not doing what they said they would do uh, stage rather than the we need to look into getting out of this because there's probably a lot of money involved here. Um, And as much as it's easy for us as fans to say like, I don't care. That's not my problem. Um, I want to watch the game. Um, The team is probably going to take a long time before they start really getting to the point where they consider it because uh, they're running a business and they're going to make a business decision rather than a, I want to watch this game decision. So we might be in for this for a while. Uh, I, I hate to say it, but it seems like that's the case. I, th- I think the most likely positive outcome is flow just gets better at this. But I also think the most likely actual outcome is this kind of just carries on like this, which sucks. I don't, I don't, I don't have any other, I don't have any positive advice for anybody. It, it doesn't sound like things are about to change. Let's yeah. Let's talk about something that's mildly better, well, at least on the field. Yeah. Um, I, I'm struck by a sense after this game, this is the second game in a row where I've kind of disagreed with the reactions from the team. Um, after the Houston game, I thought, okay, this wasn't a good performance by any stretch of the imagination, but they weren't that bad. It's just that on two plays, they were really bad. And that's why they lost the game. And yet the reaction from the team was like, wow, we really suck for 90 minutes. This was terrible. Um, after this game, the reaction seemed to be like, well, you know, the buildups weren't bad. We just kind of lacked that final ball. And, um, you know, it wasn't too bad of a performance. There are some elements to, to build on. Whereas my perspective was that this game was pretty bad. Um, this should have been a win. Um, I feel like this is kind of one of those no excuses kind of games. And yes, the revs are better than they have been, but I, I, I did not think this was a good performance in, in very many ways at all. Uh, Ben, am I out on a limb here or was this just a pretty disappointing 90 minutes? No, this was a bad game from DC United, like trying to spin it as, Oh, we just didn't have the final ball. Like the attack was bad. You can't, you can't just spin that as not just the final ball. They were not connecting midfield into attack or defense into attack at all. And they had, I mean, yes, they had a number of like what five or six shots on goal, 20, 21 shots, but yeah, they'd never felt threatening. I, I never thought like, oh, that was a great play by Matt Turner or eventually uh, uh, Knighton. It was, it, it was just, it, was, it wasn't good. And like, it got a little bad. And it was especially not good before the Matt Turner red card. Like, it was, 
they they got better after that, but they should have because they were uh they were up a man. So yeah, I disagree with the the team's uh, assessment that this was lacking just just the final ball. The final ball is it seventy percent of soccer. Yeah, it was. You know, it was one of those games where the passing percentage and the possession and the duels won. They all look good. Um, but then you think about where those passes were and it's just a bunch of passes in the defensive end. Um, I think I posted a graphic at halftime of where DC's passes were being completed and it's a lot of green, uh, which is, is good, but it's all passes in their own half. And then you look at the revs by contrast and there's very few passes in their own half because they were just hoofing the ball up the wing and hoping to do something up there. Um, and so even though the Rebs had no real interest in playing much of a game, the game felt pretty even. Um, even even when they went uh, down a man, it was, wasn't really until they got their goal that they started to finally sag back and DC started to have more of the play. But it wasn't like they were dominant. It was just that the Rebs were tired and sitting very deep. So, of course, DC had more of the ball at that point. Um, yeah, I, I found this game pretty frustrating from start to finish. Um, I I do think that the, I thought there was a decent mental or a a decent game plan in place in that it seemed like the idea was to get Lucho and get Rodriguez isolated and have them dribble at people. And they completed a high number of dribbles. That's nice. Um, It just seemed like there wasn't too much else other than like, well, let's give it to Wayne and see what happens. Um, a lot of attacks kind of died when they hit Ulysses Segura, which we're going to get into later. Um, the fullbacks weren't really able to contribute a lot on the offensive side, which I think more than anything, um, that's pretty disappointing. Um, I know that the revs kind of the, their way of playing to pin them back, you know, those diagonal balls to fast wingers uh, was designed in part to keep Hara and keep um Pedroso at home a little bit and maybe it worked to a certain extent, but you've got to find a way to do more than, and what, than and can, I, this game. can I jump in on the fullbacks? This isn't on yeah. our outline, but it, it, it was bubbling in my mind. The, um, the goal that the rev scored, I mean, Pedroso is supposed to be like one of the things that was noted when we, when he got signed uh, was that he is tall, that he's decent in the air and he just got bodied and out jumped for that ball. And uh, he has been an experience so far on the defensive end and Leo Hara on the defensive side hasn't been much better recently. And so I'm, I'm, I'm worried about our fullbacks and, and I'm hoping for good healing for Joseph Mora quickly, because I think they've been, They've been bad on defense, and Hara has been only semi-good on offense recently. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Pedroso, you know, the the reputation is that he's a very good defensive defender, and his first game uh, was pretty good. Um, but since then, it's, you know, two straight games where the, t- the other team has scored a goal at the back post where his man, you know, McNamara just evaded him. And in this case, he, right. he did do a good job of marking Agudelo. It's just that he got overpowered by Agudelo who, you know, you're going to get away with the stiff arm like that. Like it's not really, it, it maybe it's a foul at midfield, but you're never going to get that called as a defender. Um, 
and you've just got to be able to power through it. You need to be stronger than the guy that you're marking. Um, and, and also it helps if you have better position. So maybe I should take yeah. back the, you know, he stayed tight with Agudelo, but he's on the wrong side of Agudelo. So right, you know, exactly. Um, you put yourself in a position where you could get stiff armed and held off like that. Um, that's not good. Um, yeah, I, I think he looks like a guy that just didn't play very much at the start of the season and is fit, but not necessarily sharp is what started. I'm starting to think is that, um, Although what, this, this was his what third game, fourth game, third game third of game. the season. Um, or maybe, maybe, no, he had one for Dallas early on. But so three, I, three in a row for DC United. I mean, right. Um, the, yeah, the, he, the, the fitness, the mental sharpness should be coming. Yeah. He went from March 16th to May 12th without playing a game. And then he has played three quickly, but, um, maybe this is a situation where, um, he just needs more reps or, uh, to get his, you know, decision-making a little sharper because this was not to me, this was not necessarily about being, um, physically strong so much as getting yourself in a position where you have an even chance to be physically strong. Like it, he put himself right. in a spot where it was easy to shove him down. Um, and that's bad defending you, you as a defender. You don't do that. You get yourself in spots where you're not going to be pushed over. Um, and he didn't. So unfortunately that's, it is, you know, you have a reason to be concerned because this weekend uh, DC is playing a team that happens to be playing CJ Sapong as a winger. Um, oh jeez! Yeah, so DC, you, you notorious United killer CJ Sapong setting right. up on will score at least the right side. He'll score two goals. Um, so that you know Pedroso is going to have one. He's going to have to you know it's a tough turnaround playing on the turf in New England. Physically, it's, it's one of those surfaces that always seems to when teams go there and then they go and play another game shortly after. There seems to be a league wide perception that you have to rotate a little bit because that turf is physically draining to play on. So, um, you know, he's going to have to bounce back quickly because it's not like there are too many other options available at the moment. Um, Do you want to play fullback? I should not play left back of all the positions you could plug me in at, in an MLS game. They, I mean, it would go bad no matter where you put me, um, but putting me at left back, it would go the that or goalkeeper. I suppose goalkeeper would be worse, but only only by a little. Like I, the gap would be surprisingly small um, <laughs> uh, at that point. I mean, it would be. A, I I kind of want to see it. I think it would be funny, uh, but also a debacle uh, and probably uh, an embarrassment that I would never live down. So we need um, to get you into the media game, is what we're saying. The media game. I think I should be able to compete. I might not be the best player in the media game, but I think I could compete. Also, there isn't a media game that I know of, so maybe I need to start uh, hassling people about that and also running more um, so that I could get through the media game. We should make Sebi Salazar reorganize the media game. I I think that this might be a project for the future uh, to try and get the team to have a media game of some kind. Sure. Um, I say the future in part because I really will need to start like putting in some running <laughs> the game um, without injury or just, you know, embarrassment. Well, my problem would be making one sprint and then being like, Oh, I've completely misjudged this. Um, <laughs> and I don't, this, is, do this isn't indoor. This, this is twice as long. Right. Like I, I thought I, I got there, but it was a 50 yard sprint and now I need to spend 20 minutes sitting down. Um, that's <laughs> terrible. Um, no one needs, no one needs that. Especially me. Um, I guess before we get too far away from it though, um, 
let's take a brief moment. I, I don't want to talk about not soccer again, but uh, good old Dave Gantar, uh, who <sighs> I really don't want to have as a referee anymore, but he keeps showing up. Um, he had a he unique had, VAR calling style. Yeah, uh, amongst other things. Yeah. Um, he he ended up having to go to VAR a couple times, uh, both for handballs, both in the box. Um, early in the game, uh, Carlos Hill served in a ball that Russell it hit Russell Canals' elbow. The Revs wanted a penalty. Um, Gantar got the call. I, I believe it was Soren Stoika uh, as the VAR official gave him the call. He took a look at it and then gave a, um, I think he just went with the corner kick that has had initially been the call. Um, if memory serves, that was in the fifth minute late in the game. The penalty kick comes from a Brandon by handball that, um, you know, Quincy Ameriqua once again, in a very limited amount of time, still managed to do something that made an impact on the game. I guess we should acknowledge that, that, um, that was a pretty, it was a strange header, but it worked pretty well for Burnbaum to, um, strike. I don't know if that was going to be on frame, but it was going to be close. Um, it crashed into uh, Brandon by flew off um, Ameriqua and Burnbaum both wanted a handball. And we had to kind of wait for a solid 30 seconds before the ball went out. And then Gantar got the call. And then he looked at the monitor and decided, yes, it was a handball. Um, he also waited 30 seconds after the canal uh, possible handball before yeah, going back one, to the, to the screen. That one took a while without, um, without needing a, st- a stoppage in play because play stopped very quickly after the ball hit Canals. Um, whereas the, the other one, the ball stayed inbound. And I guess he, I guess he is following the right protocol by letting play run out and then um, getting the phone call or the call in his earpiece. Um, ben, what, what do you think about on these? Do you think he actually got the, as much as the rest of the game wasn't very good from him, do you think he got these two choices right in the end? I was rewatching the Canals one and I was worried like on, on slow-mo I was worried every single time just because you could see a version where in slow-mo you could think that Canals left his arm out there just a tiny bit as he, even though he was pulling it in. Uh, I think that this is more on the VAR ref where some of these, like the Canals one, I don't know if that should be brought back because I don't know if it's a clear and obvious error. So I, I don't know whose choice that is. I don't know if that's the VAR ref or the center ref who's supposed to be deciding that. No, that's but, the center ref. Okay. But he still had to go to the screen for it. And maybe that's what he decided, that it wasn't a clear and obvious a- error in that case. But the buy one is also pretty pretty iffy for me. It's It's... Like Burnbaum just blasts that ball, and yes, Bai's arm is is a little bit out, a little bit a natural position, but he didn't have any time to think anything about that ball. So, I mean, I'm glad it went our way at the end, but I don't know about that one either. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I had called that one. I mean, for me, the, the Canals one definitely had to be a no call. Um, I think he did get that right. Canals is tucking his arm behind his back. He's doing everything he can to not commit a handball. Right, right, right. He is, um, but like, just my my only point is like, if you look at the replay again and again and again, like they showed on on the the, the broadcast, you can you would be able to convince yourself that maybe he was leaving it out just for an additional second. So I agree with you. He was tucking his arm, but 
the nature of these slow-mo replays can sometimes like misrepresent reality and you can think you saw something that you didn't. Yeah, that's reasonable. Um, I, I think, I don't know. I, I, I tend to agree with both of these calls that, that he made because where Canals was actively trying to remove his arm from the process by, unfortunately for him, his arm is just sort of swinging in front of him. Um, right. He tried to get one arm out of the way, but the, that's not the arm that, struck the ball was in question. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, at, at, in real, in real time, I can see why he missed the second one. Um, because the second one uh, in real time, you know, from without the, the close up replay, it just looked like it hit somewhere on by his body. It could have been in his chest. Um, well, the I think with the one, first one, I think uh, they only recalled the first one because it, it bounced off his foot and then off his arm again. So they wanted to. No, 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 no. The first one, was, the ball went directly from uh, Carlos Hill's foot into the into the elbow of Knaus. Um Right, and then it bounced off of Knaus's foot and then back off his arm again. No, it didn't. It did. No, it went out of bounds. Mm. No, because it, it was a cross that came in. There's the the trajectory of it sent the ball away from Knaus. It didn't hit him again. It was just, did he have his arm out or not? Um, but okay. uh, yeah, in in my opinion, he got the two calls correct. Um, it's just that the rest of his officiating was very bad. Well, yes, um, that's true. He he called fifteen fouls against the Revs, and he could have called like forty five. Um, it was yes. it was silly um, that he didn't call that many fouls. I guess that kind of takes us into um, our next subject, which is someone who got fouled a lot. Um, but didn't get that many calls and didn't really have a very good game. Uh, Lutro Costa, <laughs> he was tepid. Um, yeah. you know, I mentioned the dribbles. He had four successful dribbles in five attempts. He had two key passes. That's okay. Um, but he only had one shot attempt. It's, uh, the first shot attempt he's had in the last three games. He doesn't have an assist since the middle of March. Um, Ben, what do you think is going on here with Lucho? Because um, at this point, it's it's becoming, it's not getting better. It's not even slowly tracking up. It's it's the same, and sometimes it gets a little worse. Yeah, I think right now he's kind of like the Lucho of of years past, especially like twenty seventeen, where he's pressed. Well, I won't even say pressing. Uh, I feel like right now he is not interested. Uh, he used to be really good at combining with Wayne Rooney at, or, and even before Wayne Rooney got there at pressing high and pressing fast. And he doesn't seem very interested in doing that anymore. And he led the high press for DC United, uh, for most of 2018. And that doesn't seem to be happening right now. Definitely didn't happen in this game. And, T.T. Rodriguez would play off of him. Paul Ariola would play off of him. Obviously, he wasn't there in this game, but uh, U- Ulysses Segura would play off of him. Um, it's cliche to think that he's still feeling the effects of the the transfer that didn't happen to uh, PSG. Um, I don't. I don't. That could be some of it, but I. I, I he's just not in a. He's just not in a place where he's playing effectively right now, and. I think he's struggling to try and find that magic that he had uh, at the end of 2018. Yeah. I, I think some of it is a little bit of a, I think he's a little discouraged. 
Um, he doesn't yeah. seem to be in the same mindset. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I think he's, his interest level is there, but he doesn't, it's just not sparking the same sort of emotional uh, connection as the sort of emotional um, impact on him that allowed him to play at such a high level. Um, when Rooney got here, I think Rooney getting here and being, you know, kind to him and being like, no, 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 you, you know, you're important to this team. It's not just going to be me. Um, I think that meant a lot to Lucho and it, it, you know, inspired him to great things, but it's one of those things that that doesn't last forever. Um, you know, I, I don't think Rooney's treatment of Acosta has changed one bit, um, but it wears off. You know, these things don't, uh, don't have a permanent impact on someone's play. Eventually they've got to do it on their own. And I think the PSG thing is probably still weighing on Lucho's mind. Um, as much as he said, I'm going to let my agent handle the contract situation. That's, there have probably been the occasional text or whatnot going back and forth. I'm sure that's weighing on his mind one way or the other. Um, right. There, there's, you know, I, I don't want to say he's got one foot out the door, but I also, I, I do wonder mentally how engaged he actually is because I, I think he might be in maybe in denial about it, but I think it, it's hard not to think about your next move when you're possibly this close to it. Um, and, you know, maybe, if the team signs him to a deal, uh, all of a sudden maybe that clears things up and he can get back to work, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, it, it's been difficult because other teams have figured out that right now he's not necessarily doing much to overcome the initial tactic that every team has been trying on him, which is, which is be physical, put him on the ground, kick him, try and provoke him. Um, don't let him dribble too much and knock him down. Uh, and you can generally bottle him up. Um, it does have normally, it does have the positive of DC getting a lot of free kicks, um, and turning those into goals on a regular basis. But, you know, when you've got a player like Lucho, you don't want his best contribution to be, well, he did win that free kick that they turned into a goal. You want it to be, he dribbled some guy and then set up a goal. And he also got a goal of his own later. Right, um, exactly. You know, the, the impact you want is bigger than he won some fouls. And in this game, he didn't even, I mean, he did his best to win some fouls and Dave Gantar just looked the other way for some reason. Um, I think Rodriguez got, he, he had five fouls uh, committed against him, whereas Lucho is only listed as suffering one foul on Opta. I think they changed it from two to one uh, since I last checked. Um, that is crazy. Uh, because he got kicked over and over again in this game. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I want to say like, well, hopefully referees will come around and start protecting Lucho, but I think it's a lost cause. I think we have more than enough evidence that referees are not going to change how they approach things. And they, they generally in MLS, they don't pick up on that tactic of let's foul that one guy over and over again. Referees just are like, well, it's just a coincidence again and again and again. Um, and so what's going on back there? Uh, apparently my phone decided to tell me that uh, <laughs> it, uh, it, it was previewing our lightning round because it's telling me that lightning is about to come into uh, the Richmond area. Okay. Well, let's, let's, let's move on from the referee thing and the, the Lucha thing and go to the lightning round. Um, Ulysses Segura, I mentioned it earlier. He has, he really struggled in this game. The final ball kept coming to him or that the second to last ball and the final ball kept going wrong at his feet. It's it, you know, we know he's going to work hard. 
we also know he's not going to necessarily threaten very much to as far as goals in the Cisco. Ben, lightning round style. Do you want to see Segura start Wednesday? Do you want to see Zoltan Stieber? Griffin, Griffin yeah. Yow. Griffin, yeah. You're not even going to let me get to the or someone else part of the nope. question? Griffin, okay. yeah. That's lightning round. Griffin Yao uh, is Ben's answer, and I think I'm I'm starting to lean that way myself uh, for Wednesday. That's it for us for this first segment. We will be back. Please don't turn off your podcast in the middle of it because we're going to talk to Ruben Tisch from Hot, Hot Time in Old Town about Wednesday's game against Chicago. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh- me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. And welcome back. Uh, you're still listening to Filibuster. Unless you turn this off, then I don't know how you're hearing it. Uh, DC United is trapped in an infinite loop of playing midweek games after playing on the weekend. It will never end. You'll never have a stoppage in soccer games. The next one uh, happens to be the Chicago Fire, who are coming to the district Wednesday night, 8 p.m. at Audi Field. To help us preview that game, we've brought back for the first time in five years, apparently, uh, Ruben Tish from Hot Time in Old Town. Uh, yeah. Ruben, uh, how are you? I'm great. Yeah. Uh, the last time I was on the podcast, uh, I lived in a different place. I've moved twice since I've been on the podcast. <laughs> We've had one presidential change since yeah. I the podcast. The Democrats both had the House, lost the House, and then got it again. Uh, and I don't know if you still do this, but the last time you had me on the podcast, you asked me what I was drinking while on yes. the podcast. We, we do still do that. It's the one thing that we still do. Um, what are you drinking? Uh, Bark's root beer. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah. Cause I don't, uh, like to drink while recording. It's not, uh, do y'all, do y'all have Stewart's root beer in uh, Chicago? I can probably find it somewhere. Um, <laughs> I just like that one better. That's all. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Uh, Goose Island makes a really good root beer. But, yeah, okay. Uh, Interesting. They also do a really, really nice cream soda. If you're into that. Type. I do love a good cream soda. Yeah. I mean, I'm also from the Midwest originally, and I st- I have complicated feelings about red cream soda, but I prefer a, a traditional golden Hold cream soda. Second. Hold on a second. Uh, as a, as a, a, a coastal elite, 
Uh, I've heard something that I am not familiar with. What is a red cream soda? It's a cream soda that is red. <laughs> okay. Is, is it red food coloring or? or? I, oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It's, okay. It's um, red three. Lots of it. Like did, I have. Did I have, you ever have big red at uh, uh, Jason? I, I've seen big red. It's about the uh, same talking, color. Okay. Yeah. So we're talking like a a Mountain Dew Code Red esque. Uh, An unholy red. Yes, yeah. like a, a red monstrosity. Okay, I'm on board. Yeah. Um, I, I have positive feelings towards the red red dye that messes with your brain. Um, yeah, I, w- I went to YMCA uh, summer camp when I was a, a child in Ohio, and uh, I would use my th- – th- I don't know why, but they gave us basically commissary money while you were there uh, at the sleepaway camp, and I u- spent all of mine on uh, – I think it was Bark's red cream soda. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's certainly a thing. <laughs> see, now I'm going to try and go find it. Uh, I'm going to try and locate some of this and see what happens to me when I drink it. Um, but in the meantime, that's not going to happen on this show. That'll happen tomorrow. Um, let's let's get into the fire who have maybe a, a bigger concern than just uh, this upcoming game. Um, the fire are moving towards, reportedly moving towards ending their lease with the village of Bridgeview to leave what is now SeatGeek Stadium, move back into Chicago proper, and play at Soldier Field. Um, they're also toying with the idea, uh, allegedly toying with the idea. I don't know how much is actually known as to how far they've gotten into this, with the idea of rebranding the team, new name, possibly new colors, new badge, all that stuff. Um, Ruben, you wrote a pretty good article about this a while back, if I'm not mistaken. I did. Um, yeah, and I know you're you've got some strong feelings about it. So, um, what what's happening? What's going on, and and how does the fan base feel about it? How do you feel about it? Um, well, the long and short of it is nobody has any idea. Uh, Nelson Rodriguez did uh, his one of his biannual talk at the media things, and he said that nothing was confirmed to be happening on the rebrand fund the the move to soldier field is happening um they're looking at a few different site sites for the new stadium um one of which is on the plot of land that was bought to the uh put the olympic village in 2016 that hasn't had anything done to it since uh the olympic bid failed so that's Probably the site where the stadium's going to be. Uh, I still want it um, where the original location for Toyota Park was going to be, and that's uh, where Old Comiskey Park was, which is now uh, parking lot A of Guaranteed Rate Field. Um, but that's that's... There, there was a deal in place there in 2006 between Jerry Reinsdorf and AEG, um, but the deal fell through because Mayor Daly didn't want to have a soccer stadium built there. So that's why that didn't. Ha- that's why. That's why they ended up in Bridgeview. Uh, but yeah, the the Soldier Field move is happening. The Fire will be playing in Soldier Field next year. I think that's a lateral move at best. Uh, there's a lot more problems here than going to that 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 will be fixed there's a lot more problems um than you know having soldier field fix all their attendance issues um 
there's fan relationship problems. There's this team isn't good enough to travel to see problems. Um, it's, it's kind of a mess for the rebrand itself. Uh, nobody has any idea. There are, according to Enrod, there's been focus groups had where people say, I love it. Don't change anything, but here are a couple things you can change. Uh, I don't know. I don't see a problem with it. Um, I kind of love our logo. I think it's unique uh, in the sense that it's a shape that none of the logos have. It's right? not a badge. They're all that boxy right. badge shape. They're all like boxy badge shapes. And, and so is the fire. Or circles. Fire, yeah, or circles. Or, or I mean, it's like the fire and like the white caps that have the yeah. two sort of most unique looking um, club badges. And I think that, you know, it's a classic look. And to me and to a lot of other people, I can't picture what a new fire or new Chicago soccer logo would look like. Um, It's not something I've ever thought about because it's not something I thought I'd ever need to think about, frankly. Um, And I love the colors. Uh, The, the red and the white, the red with the white stripe invoking the look of fire department jackets is is timeless and if i i hate to see it go we had a an incident uh in sort of the early to to mid 2010s where they went away from the look and it they it didn't they didn't look like the fire and they brought it back a couple of years ago and they look like the fire again and it's great um i don't know why you'd want to ruin it frankly yeah, it seems to me like stick with stick with the good stuff. Like you have something that's good, why get rid of it? Yeah, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like the the whole issue centers around, you know, trying to get people to come to games. And it's always been my um my take that the way to get people to go to stuff in this town is to put out a good product. And the fact of the matter is aside from some flashes here or there, they just haven't put out a good product. And because of that uh, have become irrelevant in the 10 years of this downturn, there's been four very, there's been four world sporting championships here. The Blackhawks won three Stanley Cups and the Cubs won the World Series. Uh, and you saw a bump in support of those teams largely because they got good. Um, and so the key here is, for me at least, is for the fire to win. Winning will solve pretty much everything winning consistently will solve pretty much everything and i think trying to uh ha- place importance on other things is putting lipstick on a pig i uh, i think i know a team that could prove this theory of yours and that team is called dc united um 
let's get let's get towards the soccer side of this equation. Yeah. Um, one of the eternal questions that I face when I look at the fire is that every single week under Velko Panovic, it seems like I'm seeing something different. Um, it's a different formation, or some weeks they want to high press, some te- some weeks they don't. Um, other than they never really bunker that much in my experience, but other than that, everything else seems to be on the table. Um, what is going on with, uh, Pano and his various tactical choices? Well, Pano sort of likes to play to his opponents rather than have a style themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, he won't tell you this. Um, but I, I've, I have, when I've gotten the chance to, talked to him asked him um about it and he he won't tell you this but he definitely with his actions seems like he's trying to every every match he's trying to outcoach the other the other manager he's he's trying to set his teams up to exploit the weaknesses of his opponents rather than play a consistent style of soccer every week um and that can work. Uh, we've seen that work in, in other leagues and in MLS. And actually, in MLS, I think, because the level of, of player is so um, is sort of so consistent on some respects, like generally speaking, on a given day, aside from one or two teams every year, any team can come out and beat any other team. Um, so those little coaching advantages sort of in this league become more important. Um, and I think that he is trying to, to sort of do that here. And also this is his first club job as manager. Uh, he comes from international soccer, which is a completely different beast. There you definitely, because it's often one and done and you, you sort of have that, you don't coach for consistency. You coach to spike a tournament. And I still think he's sort of coaching to spike a tournament, even though he should be, you know, in a league structure coaching to maintain a consistent form and keep his players comfortable. So, Ruben, in this offseason, uh, the Fire spent discretionary targeted allocation money on, and I'm going to try and pronounce his name correctly, Shemoslav Frankovsky. Close enough. Okay. Uh, now that he is finally healthy and uh, playing well, he's got four assists in 800 minutes of playing time. Uh, so, how does he change what Chicago does and how important is he now to Chicago's attack? Well, first of all, he's quick. Um, that's something the fire haven't had since uh, David Akam left is they don't have someone who can put that extra gear and stretch defense vertically. He can do that. Um, the other thing I think he, he does is he's a very good technical player. Um, he he's very good at finding passes and getting himself out of trouble, which is something you don't see a lot of on this team. Um, and he, he, the most important thing I think is that he knows what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
like you you definitely see when he has the ball, he knows where to go. He knows what his teammates are going to do. He's very good at recognizing patterns and movement. Um, and the same can be said of him on defense. He's he's very good at he, he's actually a better defender than I thought he was. Yeah. Uh, which which definitely helps because the back line, you really have no idea what you're going to see from week to week uh, because of suspensions and poor play both, um, especially in recent weeks. So he he also brings a lot of versatility that I didn't think they were going to get out of him. So speaking of his versatility, what what side is he better on? It seems like he has played both sides of midfield. Um. For the club specifically, I think he's better on the right. Um, but he he seems to be equally as good on either side. So I don't know. I, and I think that's good for this team because you want to have him out there. Um, but you also can put him somewhere and uh, build your lineup around him, which with his flexibility. So like... If you need to have Alexander Katai, if he gets hurt, um, he can he can play on the left or the right. Um, so you just basically put CJ Sapong on on the wing, and then Frankowski can play uh, where Sapong isn't playing. Don't remind me about CJ Sapong. <laughs> That's he's been performing for for our club this year. It's 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 really wonderful to watch. I was a big fan of his. Uh, <laughs> And I, I know fire fan praising a sporting Kansas city player. I know, <laughs> uh, but it, I, he was a guy whenever he played against the fire for, for Kansas city. Uh, I wanted him on the fire and now we got him after a couple of down years. I, I want to say in Philadelphia and he's, he's back to being that player that I always wanted on this club and i'm very happy with how he's been playing this year yeah unfortunately his history against dc united indicates that you're going to be continue to be happy uh with his play <laughs> on wednesday because that guy is uh, takes it to another level every he's from manassas virginia and it seems like every time he comes back here he really comes through uh unfortunately for us fortunate for the team he happens to be on which sure. right now is chicago um, I want to ask about another, you know, Ben, Ben mentioned, uh, Frankowski, um, the other big, um, signing that came in right at the end of that open, uh, that, that spring window, um, is Nico Gaetan, who has been pretty good, but he's hurt. He's hurt right now. Um, who do you think, uh, Panovic is going to bring in to replace that creative spark now that you don't have Gaetan available? Well, I mean, there's only one answer, and it's Jordi Mihaljevic. He was the creative player before uh, the fire got Gaetan. Uh, he should be the creative player when he's not there because um, I think that's where he's best. Uh, if you remember the U.S. national team January camp uh, earlier this year, he played in like a dual 10 role with Christian Roldan and they were very successful mm-hmm. uh, against Panama. Uh, so I think that that's sort of the, the formation that 
uh, area formation. That's sort of the position I think that fits him best. Uh, the problem for me, at least, is that uh, Panovic has been. We, we've seen a lot more of Brent Bronico uh, than I'd like to. He he did have a very good game uh, on Saturday uh, in in the draw against New York City, but I. I don't see what everybody else sees in him. Uh, I think he's a bit too hot-headed. He'll 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 make dumb challenges in positions where you don't want him to make dumb challenges. Um, his passing is good, but it's not great. I I don't think he he doesn't have the technical ball skill that I'd want in in a number ten. Um, he will score a goal though. He did. He does have a beautiful sort of curler into the, the top far corner this year. Um, but I, I'd rather see Jordi Mihaljevic in that, in that spot. Um, I think he's the 10 of the future. Uh, in some ways I think Gaetan is a great signing, obviously, because he's so incredible on the ball and his passing is great and his vision is great. And he's he when he's out there, he's one of, if not the best player on the pitch. Um, but I think it hurts Mahalovic's development a little. Um, and as a fan of American soccer, as well as the fire, um, that hurts me a little bit because I want him to succeed and I want, you know, national team success for him. Um, he's a good guy. Um, really nice. Um, so I, I, I mean, basically I, I could go on and on about gushing about Jordi Mihaljevic if you let me, uh, <laughs> so, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just say that. Yeah. He's, he's, he's the guy, he's the, the 10 heir apparent, or at least he should be the number 10 heir apparent. So speaking of the attack, uh, Nemanja Nikolic came in, busted in on the scene with a golden boot performance in 2017, 24 goals, scored 15 goals uh, uh, last year. Now we're about, I don't know what, what are we at? More than a third of the way through the season and he's got five goals so far. No assists. Is, is, is Nikolic okay? What, what are y'all feeling about Nikolic this season? He had, well, he had his wife had a baby the Friday before the opener in LA. Okay. Um, So he flew out and was on the bench, but he took a red eye, flew out to LA, didn't play in week one uh, against the galaxy. Um, And ever since then, he, he, has he just wants to, to be a dad and not a soccer player? Well, I don't know if that's true. I think he wants to be a soccer player. The problem is he's not performing. Uh, and I don't know if the, you know, waking up in the middle of the night to to give the missus a break is helping him any. Um, Dax McCarty also had a child recently, and ever since he did, his performances haven't been up to where you'd think Dax McCarty would be having, you know, either. So maybe it's 
you know, breaking Ruben hates children. No, (laughs) it's tough being a being a father to a newborn's tough, and it is sometimes these things you know make suffer make you suffer in other areas. Uh, I also think he's lost his confidence. Uh, I I won't say he forgot how to score, but when when he gets a shot opportunity and you and you watch him take shot shot opportunities now he he shoots it and he thinks it's not going to go in uh, you can tell by his posture he's leaning back on shots instead of following through them he's you know his form isn't great i don't think he thinks he can score right now and i think his mental state is a bigger problem because he's still working hard. His passing is one of his most underrated aspects, which is still good. If he gets the ball outside, he, he can still put in a, a good ball and a dangerous ball. It's just, there's something mentally that his, you know, his, um, his technique isn't there. Um, and it's really tough to watch. And, and I'm happy that Panovich decided to, uh, put him on the bench because um, we, t- we talked about this last week on the North lot, which is our podcast that uh, Bridget and I do um, on the fire. And we, we didn't think he was going to get benched because he can't bench a designated player, but Pano benched him to his credit. Um, I think at the moment, the fire are a better team when he's not on the pitch. Um, and that's pretty sad. Uh, Ruben, we'll, we'll, one more question before we get to our, our traditional final question that uh, Adam always asks, and I'm going to remember to ask despite his absence. Um, you guys just got a new goalkeeper. Uh, it seems like an odd time to just end up with a new goalkeeper. Um, but uh, Kenneth Kronholm has just come in. Um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, just made his first appearance on the weekend. Um what did what did the fire get by bringing him in? Um, more competition, mm. more good because co- really it's right now it's David Ousted and nobody else. Richard Sanchez is terrible. Um, we 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 have experience with the David Ousted and nobody else uh, experience. Sure. <laughs> and, well, he's been fine. Um, I don't want to give the impression that he's been bad. Like he he. Or disappointing, like he he was for United. He's been good. Um, there's been again the the rotating defense hasn't helped him, and his and you know he's he's let in some howlers. Um, so competition's good, um, and he's a different goalkeeper. Uh, he's definitely you can definitely tell that he played most of, if not his entire professional career in Germany. Uh, he likes to, to play sweeper keeper. He's good with the ball at his feet. Uh, there was a video going around uh, on Twitter of him playing at the halfway line when the fire had a spell of possession deep into um, New York territory. Um, so he, he's a different look. Uh, he, he's good. He's, he's another like solid keeper. Um, and, 
yeah, he just brings in, you know, competition for, for Ousted. So um, hopefully both goalkeepers improve. And he's a he's a domestic player, which is a big thing, especially because of the international roster limit in the Open Cup. You don't want to waste an international spot on a goalkeeper. Uh, so he can play in the Open Cup and uh, leave the international roster slot that you would have wasted on having ousted play in the tournament uh, on him. Yeah, he's actually a, a Virginia native, um, yeah. which is kind of an odd one. You you tend to hear about all these guys that are uh, U.S. born playing abroad, and I don't think he ever really got talked about. Um, he was in the two Bundesliga for the long sure, time. sure. It, it's not the most um, watched league internationally. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like it might be difficult. Uh, I don't even know how one would go about. Uh, watching uh Holstein Kiel his old club. I don't know how you would do that. I'm sure well actually I'm not even sure someone listening to this is going to know. Um well, <laughs> you'll know when they play SC St. Pauli every year. Okay. So at least there's that. Right. Um but uh to to honor Adam's commitment uh to this question, um if you were setting up on United side, if you had a game plan for dealing with Chicago and trying to get a win against them, what would you emphasize? What is what would be your your plan of attack to to get three points this Wednesday if you were again going against Chicago? Uh, I'd exploit the left. Uh, the left back situation is is quite possibly the worst position. Um, on the field. If you look at the lineup sheet and you see the name Jorge Corrales <laughs> on the left-hand side, you were going to have nothing but joy out there. Well, that's uh, great because our starting uh, right winger is suspended. <laughs> well, I guess that's, <laughs> but I, I mean, you're going to have to still pound the ball down that, that way. <laughs> um the right back as of now is Johan Kopelov. One of the things I do every, every pretty much every game I tweet uh, is uh, it's basically a meme at this point. Johan Kopelhoff is good. Uh, you don't want to buy him too many times because he will destroy you and then get a scoring chance on the other side. Um, but yes, if, if I'm, an opposing manager and we're playing the fire. I am having a good 80% of my attacks are going to come through the left-hand side. Um, because, you know, Bastian Schweinsteiger is old. You'll be able to beat him for pace. Uh, and the left side's the best place to, to put balls in that'll beat him. All right. Well, uh, unfortunately, as Ben said, United has a little bit of a problem doing that, but uh, <laughs> hopefully for our purposes, they give it a shot. Um, Ruben, thanks for coming on. Um, okay. For those of us, uh, for those of you that have stuck with us uh, without a host, uh, first of all, your tolerance for me as a host is uh, commendable. Um, you can find us on blackandredunited.com where we write words. You can find us on Twitter at uh, I've forgotten our filibuster Twitter account because I my brain is mush. filibuster DCU. 
There it is. Um, yes, at filibuster DCU on Twitter. Uh, if you want to email us, I believe we requested some sort of drawing last week that I can't remember. Um, and if you want to draw that and send it to us, it's filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Ben, you probably have a better handle on where people can listen to this other than on the site. Uh, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, if that's still a thing, uh, the Internet Archive, uh, <laughs> many places. Stitcher is still a thing. That's where our podcast is. That's where. So that's a good seg because I okay, forgot to it, ask. It, it's a thing. Uh, Ruben, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ruben Tish. Uh, and during fire game days, the at hot time, uh, hot, hot time in old town. Um, Twitter is usually me, uh, making bad jokes and complaining at referees. Um, what else can you do on Twitter? <laughs> Praise Ga- Dave Gantar. Uh, you can do that i suppose <laughs> uh don't get horny on main kids uh, <laughs> you can uh find the north lot podcast which is the podcast on the fire i do with bridget gordon at soundcloud.com slash the north lot uh as well as on twitter at north lot pod and uh it is on Stitcher. So, yes, Stitcher is, in fact, still a thing. All right. Uh, that'll do it for us. Uh, I'm going to try not to ramble here. I think I already did a bad enough job. Um, for Ben, for the absent Adam, for Ruben, thanks for listening. Ben, please help me get out of this ending. Uh, goat, 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 filibuster, goat. I think you have to hit the button.